There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Hello everyone and welcome to the Fangirl Zone. I am Sean Fangirl S and today on our interview series I am talking to a voice that you may recognize. The one, the only, Gomez Not Adams. But in his official capacity as a published author... Mr. Matthew X. Gomez. Yes, thank you for having me around. (laughs) It's been forever. I'm so glad you had a chance to, like, slide into the fangirl zone and uh, visit since it's been so long, since all of our shows have ended. (laughs) But Gomez has kept it going because he has a book that he has published titled God in Black Iron. And, you know, we, we've talked about a lot of sci-fi stuff, and I feel like this is kind of up that alley. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your book? Sure. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's really 20 pieces of genre trash is, is, kind of, is, how, I'm, is how I'm uh, selling it. Um, so it's a collection of short stories. Uh, so it's God in Black Iron and other stories. Um, and it kind of runs the gamut. Uh, of speculative fiction. So I've got some cyberpunk in there, some sword and sorcery, uh, some weird western, some light horrors in there as well. Uh, and it's it's a hodgepodge of story, stuff that I've written over the past like, uh, seven to eight years or so uh, that I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to pull some of this, this together and put it all into one place where people can get it. Um, so it's a lot of stuff that's been, some of it's been previously published. Um, and some great uh, indie signs like uh, Switchblade, Pulp Modern, Iconoclash Review, Story Hack. Uh, there were two anthologies that I was published in where I was able to grab that I took from. Uh, Altered States 2 was one of them. Uh, and then Midnight Abyss, which is actually the first anthology I was published in uh, as well. So it's, I'm looking back, like going through some of the stories going, did I actually write this? I, I, yeah, I wrote this. It was it's been a couple of years since I read, wrote it, but yeah, I did write that. So, do you have new works in here as well that you want to oh, maybe give a so, little sneak peek? So, so there's one work in there that's been previously unpublished. I, want to, I hesitate to call it new because I think I wrote it back in 2015. It just hasn't seen the light of day, so it's new to all of you, which is great. <laughs> um, so. It's called Ashton and Marcus the Mead Trap, and it was it's basically me taking Cthulhu mythos and a buddy cop film, shoving it into a blender, and just seeing what comes out of it. Oh my gosh, that um, so fits with all the craziness that you're able to even watch right now on like streaming services. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, th- th- this was me looking at things like Sliders, and if you remember that TV Oh, my show. God, I love that show. Okay, go, go, go with all the different alternate realities and everything else, with, with saying, okay, what if we took that, but we mashed it together with the Evil Dead? 
specifically Army of Darkness. Stupid. And that's and that's Ashton and Mar- that's Ashton and Marcus, which is completely based off of uh, myself and one of my very very good friends from high school. And so I, I wrote these up sort of the self insert fix uh, back in high school, mainly to entertain ourselves. But this is like this is kind of story that I was like, you know, what? this is just me having fun. This is, this is me taking everything I know about writing action scenes and everything else, and being very detailed and and going, you know what? Let's just let's just go out there and make some mayhem. So it's a, it's a, and I enjoy it. It's a fun story where basically two dumbasses go up against an army of the dead. Now I know you've done, like you had said, a lot of different published works, um, in in a lot of different magazines and such. How do you start the process for writing a story? Um, because so it, to me, none of your stuff is exactly the same, and so which, which is great. Yeah, I so, know. That's why I'm like, I I can't wrap my mind around. How probably you about ninety percent of the time, I think, wow, I really want to write this fight scene. What story can I build? Which what, what story do I need to build around it to justify this fight scene I want to write? Really, that's yes. not <laughs> something I think I've ever learned in any uh, creative writing classes. It's like just start in the middle. It's fine. Well, I don't even really start in the middle. I start. I mean, usually I start with the idea. Like I want this is the kind of this is the setup I want to get to. Okay. This, this is where this is where I want to end up. What can I? How can I build? How can I germinate the story around this kernel of an idea? And that and that's how I get and that's usually where I start with. Um, occasionally I'll start with a market in mind. Uh, so I know that so one of the stories in there is Crystal Brass and Copper. And I wrote it originally for an for a magazine that was looking for stories that were centered around families. So I wrote it about a brother and sister pair of thieves in this uh, Middle Eastern setting with some steampunk elements. Okay. They passed on it. They're like, yeah, no, it's not for us. We can't really get into the characters. Okay, fine. So I ended up selling it to Story, I ended up submitting it to story Hack because they want specifically action-adventure. I'm like, yeah, this has got both of those things. Here you go. And they picked it up, and, re- and they ran with it, which was great. Um, I got some money out of it. They got a story, which is how it's supposed to work. Um, but that story was... Tr- we- was strictly based off of okay. What can I? I think I was reading some Saladin Ahmed at the time, uh, who's a uh, writer based out of Detroit, but he does a lot of sort of fantasy Middle East stories. Uh, I think I had just finished reading one of his. I was like, you know what? That's a cool. That's a cool idea. What can I? Can I take some of that and run with it, uh, and kind of put my own spin on it? And that's what I did. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other stories. Um, I've got a couple of cyberpunk stories uh, in the anthology too. Both Limitless and uh, Throwing a Dog a Bone both both feature Tom and Sonny. Tom is a veteran of the Latin American Wars. He's got a cybernetic arm, and Sonny is his no is his kind of snarky hacker sister. And the whole the whole point behind that was just like I loved. The role-playing game uh, by Artal Sorian, Cyberpunk 2020, where you basically run around as a bunch of anarchists blowing shit up. <laughs> this, this is kind of my love letter to that role-playing game. 
uh, with those characters, and and, my, and the fact that I just really enjoyed Cyberpunk, uh, like old William Gibson, uh, Neil Stevenson, those kind of stories, and just inject it with a whole lot of noir sensibility as well. So it's always raining, everything's always soaked in neon, uh, very like Blade Runner. Very, very Blade Runner. And say that, yeah, um, the Crow, Blade Runner, yeah, I, and yeah. I love both of those. So it's great. But, but making the main, but, but making the main character, making the main character, a guy who spends most of his time washing dishes at a restaurant because he can't find any other job. That is not something I would expect as a main character. So, but, he, but, but looking at him as a as a veteran, he's got a cybernetic arm, but he's also got a head full of quite literally messed up wiring in his head. And so what, what what else can he do with his life? So he takes these odd jobs, tracking down, helping track down people, acting as a bodyguard, acting as the heavy, but not sort of like the corporate elite or anything like that. These just sound like they'd be great, like, little short, not movies, but, you know, like the shows that they have. Um, I can't yeah, remember so, that show that they did that, something like that. Um, uh, the, the Robots one, right? Life, Death, and the Robots, what was it? That, yes. And then that other one that I'm having a brain fart. It's Do Sheep. Do Robots Dream of Electric Sheep. The, okay, the that, was that, the, was. that was the Philip... Um, yeah, Philip, the show that Philip was based did, on the, did, did the book, Do Android Dream of Electric Sheep. The movie was Blade Runner, and then Blade Runner 2049. There was a show, though, too, I thought they did. did I don't think so. But there, I mean, but he was the one that did Man in the High Castle. Which was totally great, too. That's a right, whole other story. Anyway. Anyway. We can talk about shows forever, though. Absolutely. Um, no, so we love those. <laughs> but a lot of it was okay, let me, and sometimes it was just like I want to write this story, not for any particular venue, not for any particular reason. I just felt like I wanted to write the story, and the fact that I was unable to sell the story to some place that was willing to pay me money for it is a huge is a bonus. Cool. You want to give me money for something I did anyway? Who am I to say no? Now you have, um, like I said, a lot of stories and a lot of different magazines and then your own magazine that you had published for a while broadswords and blasters before you got to this book god and black iron yep now all of these stories you like you said came from little kernel in your head how hard was it though for you to send like give away your child basically it it, it hurts less to send them out than when you get something back that says yeah no it's not for me and, and so taking why. all these into your own book, well, do you feel like or here's I don't want to publish this or and because I couldn't connect with the character. Um, I mean, that happened with me with uh, – so one of the stories that was published in this one, um, A Long Journey's End. I submitted to a couple of other places before Pulp Modern picked it up. And one of, one of the feedback pieces I got with it was – uh, and actually, here's a funny story for you. So I submitted it to a place called Grim Dark Magazine, which is very much grim and dark fiction. Uh, so Joe Abercrombie, uh, they're a fan of Joe, Joe, people like Joe Abercrombie, the darker parts of A Song of Fire and Ice, all of that is kind of where their their aesthetic is. And so I submitted to them, and, like, and he wrote back saying, we really like the story. The character has too much of a moral center for us to publish this. Wow, that was a moral for us. We are going to have to wash our well. hands. And, and 
and I, and I say this with a smile now because I submitted, I think, four pieces to them over the years, and they all got rejected. I just sold a piece to them that's going to be actually published next month uh, so in Grimdark Magazine, which I'm really, I'm really psyched about. This was like my one of my bucket list markets to get into, uh, and they were the first place I submitted this story to. And usually a, a lot of people who are kind of in this will tell you, to sell a story to the first place you send it to is not that common. Usually you're going to bounce it off a couple of different markets before you land on the one that picks it up. Um, anyway, but all that said, so they passed on that story. I submitted it someplace else. They're like, yeah, I just couldn't connect with this character. I'm like, she's on, she just got home after 10 years away. She's really tired and people are giving her shit. Why? And you expect her to be what? Happy and cheery about this? She's wary. She's pissed off. Come on. I think that's how all of us feel at this point anyway. A little bit. <laughs> uh, so I submitted it to someplace else. I submitted it to, to this uh, Pulp Modern. And usually they do crime fiction, um, which I don't write a whole lot of. But the editor, Alex Zizek, said, yeah, no, this is good. I'll take it. And so he took that one and he took um, the, the follow-up story, uh, The Price of an Offer Refused, is also in the anthology. So that he also published that in a later issue, and he's actually sitting on the third story of that sequence right now, uh, which is yet to be published. Huh. So I'm kind of excited by that, too. Have you ever the- thought about taking just your short stories and turning it into a huge novel? Occasionally, and then I get bogged down with trying to do that. I, I actually have one. So none of the stories in this actually feature one of my favorite characters, Liam the Black, who is a not-Irishman who ends up in the not-Middle East. And so I'm about 20,000, well, fantasy the fantasy uh, counterpart, right? Um, and I'm about 20,000 words into a novel of him going home and dealing with the fact that he left 20 years ago because he couldn't deal with the fact that um, the woman he loved, her father really did not approve of their match at all and basically drove him out. And so he left and just fucked off for 20 years and now he's trying to come back home. And he's like, oh, yeah, and you're pissed at me still. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> It's like, I still really like you, but I understand why you might have moved on. <laughs> I kind of feel like that would that would turn out to be uh, something interesting. Maybe you but, need but, to start filming stuff as well. But but a lot of it's a lot, a lot of and part of it. Uh, sorry, I'm kind of spinning circles here. A lot of it's going with. I mean, there's a lot always a lot of talk about what are universal themes, right? That people could connect with in any given story. So some of it sometimes it's. Okay, if you're going back, trying to go home again, and what does that look like when you try to go home and nobody else had ever moved on from that place? But where are they in their life now that they are not that they're not necessarily the same person that you left 20 years ago? Um, so thinking about you know when you get back together with friends that you haven't seen in a long time, in your head they're still the same person, when in reality probably not. I mean, stuff's happened to them that you don't know anything about, necessarily. And that kind of influences where they are in their life right now. Now, how much of yourself do you put into these characters? Or the people around you? 
I, I wish I was as, as in shape as half of them. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I feel like that's almost every writer. You're like, yeah, yeah, that one's me. He's totally buff. Totally, yeah. Um, I, 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 if there's if there's one part of me, and, it, and it's kind of different from character to character too, because sometimes I deliberately look at how a char- how I'm writing a character and going, this is too much like me. I need to kind of veer off to the side. And break and break a little bit with okay, this would be what I would do with perfect knowledge, but is this really what I would do? Um, and it and it, got, it also gets interesting when I'm writing when you've got more than one character who are talking with each other or that you're highlighting. Um, so the title story, God in Black Iron, deals with a adventurer duo, Heinrich and Viona. Viona is the aristocratic, though she doesn't want to admit it, um, alchemist. And Heinrich's the muscle. He's the big, he's the really big guy. He carries a really big sword, and his job is to hit things as hard as he can. I would like to think I'm more Heinrich at times, but really, at the end of the day, I'm probably a lot more like going to like, what the hell should I mix together to defeat the monster? Um, and other times, I'm just the ca- the side character who's in the corner panicking because oh god, there's a monster. Do you often pull like family and friends to kind of like I? Take quirks from them and put them in your books. The the biggest one I'll say I do that for is probably Marcus, who again was based off of my best friend in high school. Um, as far as my other friends and family, I try not to. Uh, I probably do anyway, because you know when they they always say write what you know. Well, what do you know? You know the people around you. Uh, you know the situations you've been in, that kind of stuff. Um, but I mean, yeah, I even say in the introduction to the book that like, why do I keep on writing about monsters? Well, because it's a really good way to distract from the adult fears in my life of can I pay the mortgage this month? Can I pay the utility bills this month? Do I still job in three months? And let's push. Sometimes it's easier to write about the monster with dripping fangs and bloody claws than about those adult fears. So. That's a really good analogy, though. I mean, <laughs> when you look at it deeper, it's like, okay, everybody has their own monsters that they're fighting. Um, I mean, you're just putting wh- them why, into why different people, words. Why, why do people get involved like horror? Because you can see the monster on the screen, right? <laughs> oh, I love horror. This is my favorite time of year. We're going towards Halloween. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. So... Okay. And sometimes, but sometimes it's also really refreshing just to be able to say, you know what, there's a monster, but I can kill it. Yeah. And, and yeah. I'll admit, and as part of the escapism as a writer, being going to go, yeah, a giant, huge monster, great, here's the hero with the sword. Sometimes, <laughs> it, you know, you have to see, like, your anxiety as a big monster, and you you got to just kind of beat him back sometimes. But right. maybe that's just me, and I'm projecting. But anyway, but- let's get back to the book. <laughs> I mean, but, or do, and do, you, do you want to write a uh, uh, do you write a character who not only has to overcome the physical monster but also the internal monsters that they might be facing as well? So now, is there anybody that would be like your dream collab for writing your next book or your next story? Um, I don't. I really don't think so. Um, I. And, and part of it, I've always, so, it's sort of my kind of take on fan fiction. Don't get me wrong. I, I appreciate people who write fan fiction. And I appreciate the people who really got, there are some professional writers who got their start writing fan fiction with somebody else's toys. That makes sense. I can see that. Uh, 
and trying to write with somebody else is you have to have a great partnership with that person and a great understanding from the outset of what your mutual goal is and how you're going to inject that into the story and, and which part, what parts are you each going to take? I mean, I can tell you there, there's some writers that I really appreciate and love and I'll be happy to read over their work and try to get feedback on it. But I wouldn't want to try to co-write a story with them. So Matt Spencer is a great writer who's coming out, who's got a new book coming out soon, who does a lot of the same kind of action adventure pieces I do. Only he's more visceral, even more visceral than I am when he when it comes to his brand of fantasy and everything else. Love his work. I would not want to try to write with him. Um, I don't. I think that would be ruin that friendship that we have. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so no, I don't really think there's anybody I want to want to necessarily collaborate with. Um, sort of right up there with when people ask like, well, if you had your dream pro- if you had your dream uh, project and you could work on any uh, intellectual property that you could, what would you pick? I'm like, I don't think I'd pick any. I want to work on my own stuff, uh, and I'm kind of happy with doing that. Uh, I mean, I occasionally get called out for being, you know straight from the pages of weird tales or anything like that, like in writing this kind of old school sword and sorcery. Okay. I'm cool with being said that, but I don't want to necessarily be just be seen as be writing pastiches of Robert E. Howard and Conan mm-hmm. or, or I don't want, or Lovecraft or Clark Ashton Smith or any of those. Like I, I want people to be able to pick up a story and read it and going, Oh yeah, this is a Gomez story. Okay. So let's go a different route. If you were able to take any one of your stories and give it to any director to develop, which story, which director? Oh, man. <laughs> Ooh. Now I'm going to put you on the spot with that one. That, that is a spot. Um, there's not a whole lot. Okay, with, with the exception of very, with a very few directors right now, there's not that many that are doing fantasy. I mean, there's some science fiction coming out, but not as much as you would necessarily think, right? I mean, I would love to see a story like Limitless get turned into a short film of some point, of some sort. So probably, let's go with this one. I'd go with The Price of an Offer Refuse, or A Long Journey's End, featuring my character Ariana, via the the Wachowski sisters. Okay. Did you go through a big publisher, or are you doing it yourself? No, so this is completely self-published. Um, so basically, because I decided, you know, I, I got to the point where I had enough material that I felt like I could put out my own book and be pretty and be happy about it. Um, so I grabbed again for a bunch of places that I got published already. I had put up done a bunch of flash fiction that was from that and put it together into a manuscript. Uh, I reached out to Luke Spooner of Carrion House, who did all the coverage for Broadswords and Blasters. And said, hey, I'd really like to work with you on this. Here's the story I want to do. And he got back to me, and we worked out a price, everything else. He got back to me with the cover with the uh, lettering already on it, which was really, really awesome and helpful. Um, I then reached out to a guy named Rand Scott of RSP Mystery. And he's done some illustrations for Pulp Modern in the past. So I said, hey, what would it be, what would it look like if we did a couple, if I wanted to do a few illustrations? So he settled on five stories, and he did the illustration interior illustrate interior illustrations <laughs> for all five. Say that five times fast. Um, 
So I was able to put all that together and just publish through Amazon self-publishing service, which is KDP. Um, and I was really nervous about it, having never actually done this part of the business before. Uh, always in the past, for, especially with Broadswords and Blasters, I had my wonderful co-editor, Cameron Mount, who handled all the technical pieces on that end and fought and bitched and whined and complained about it. And I was having nightmares about trying to do this on my own. Uh, but it was actually a lot less painful than I thought it would be in order to put it all together. Um, the hardest part for me, at least, was coming up with now I have to actually write about what's in the book and trying to describe it in a way that will sell to people. Um, so that's really been my biggest challenge is how can I say – how can I talk about this in a way that doesn't make me sound like I'm from Mars? Uh, <laughs> Oh, so you got past it, though, and it's published, and it's on Kindle and other electronic devices right now. And Correct. Coming soon to paperback? Coming very soon to paperback. Probably by, probably by the time this interview has been published, it will be out in the world. Not saying that I take a long time doing anything or any, anything like that, but well, it'll <laughs> hopefully be, I mean, it's about the same time. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. All right, now that I stopped him, now we're going to go through something easy. We're going to go through the speed round. Sure. Oh, yeah, this is a new one. I have not done this with Gomez before. You ready? Okay. Sure. Because you know I'm from the Chicago area, so I'm going to end with something specific with Chicago. But first, we're going to start with your favorite genre to read. Favorite genre to read right now is probably indie crime. Your favorite guilty pleasure to watch? Conan the Barbarian. The movie. Yes. Okay, the old movie. I had to think about that for a second. <laughs> yeah, the eight, what is it, 83? It's not old. I oh my God, I don't know why I said old, but okay. Um, favorite director? I don't have a favorite director, I will confess. If I have if I have to pick if I have to pick one, it'll probably be Scorsese. Favorite pick, writer of all time. Uh, favorite writer of all time. I'm going to go with Joe Abercrombie for right now. Probably with Richard Cadre as a close second. And then my Chicago one, Deep Dish or Thin Crust. I'm from New York. Ah, uh, so you need the big flat. Yes. That you can fold. Uh. Yes. I forgot you're from over there. <laughs> you, you can I, don't get. Don't, I, I occasionally like you know the pizza casserole that is deep dish. <laughs> we have a whole new one out here too. You have to try sometime called pot pie pizza. Whole another world. I, I think my mother used to make that back in the day. <laughs> it's like a casserole. Like you put the crust on the crust on top and the yeah and the cheese things in the middle. Side. It's so good. Uh, anyway. Anyway, so, I'm so, yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me in the speed round. Oh, and of course, your favorite co-host that you're talking to right now of all time. Oh, Sean Fingerless. <laughs> Please, yes. Oh, yay. All right, so make sure you check out God in Black Iron, his book, and the myriad of magazines that Matthew X. Gomez has posted posted various articles. I mean, there's so many. Uh, Broadstores and Blasters, which 
he was running for a while and three years um you are still able to get that in both kindle and physical absolutely uh, altered states story hack pulp modern switchblade econoclash phase two midnight abyss grim dark coming soon and dark futures you can find all of these on amazon and uh you'll see a very awesome picture of mr gomez next to it and you can find him on Twitter, mxgomez78 at Twitter, and your website one more time. mxgomez at, uh, I'm sorry, mxgomez.wordpress.com. And I'm really excited to see this come out, and that's already in my cart, so there's one more for you. All right, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And Thank you. I am excited to see what else you're going to have coming, and hopefully... Mr. Gomez will slide into the fangirl zone again with all this craziness. We never know when anybody has time. Figure out some show to watch. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So that is all from the fangirl zone. And until next time. Bye.